Welcome to Mission Unplugged, genuine conversations about Christian faith and action with young innovators locally, nationally, and globally. I'm Jesse. I'm Mitch. And I'm Elise. Welcome to this episode of Mission Unplugged. In this conversation, Jesse caught up with Jake and Mai. Jake and Mai is the associate and youth pastor at Restore Church in Castle Hill. He's married to Hannah and father to two little girls, Lydia and Ainsley. I really loved how Jake talked about his involvement with mission in Australia and overseas and how it's broadened his understanding of the world and his place in it. I appreciated how Jake's parents influenced his faith. They were reliant on God in the small things and the large things. I really appreciated Jakin's honesty about his own faith journey and seeing how that journey translated into how he empowers the young people he leads. I also loved hearing how open he was to continuing to learn from the young people he leads. We hope you enjoy this chat with Jakin. You know, what if we actually expected young people to, to be more? What if we expected them to um, be some of the kindest people on the planet or the most generous people on the planet or whatever like and I, and I want to expect that of our young people but I think our young people want to make a difference and so we're trying to give them opportunity to do that because they have a heart for it. And um, how long have you been involved in youth ministry for? Um, oh man, I would say since, since I was a youth. Yeah, I've come been, on. Um, since I was a teenager I reckon just kind of fell into youth leading and then almost fell into youth pastoring and just haven't stopped. <laughs> yeah, sick. So when you say fell into youth leading and you've been part of youth group for ages, does that mean that like, like you grew up in a Christian family um, or did you just get saved at a young age and then straight into youth ministry? Yeah, no. So um, Christian family uh, and yeah, so I think that was a big part of it. We just always went to church, um, which looking back was actually such a really good thing for me I think Um, because wrestling with all the questions that I had and just other stuff just consistently going to church and being around other people who love Jesus helped me massively on my journey I don't even think necessarily my family um, was my main source of input but like my church community almost more was Um, so I think super thankful for that Um, yeah so I don't know, yeah, around them for a while. And then um, started drumming. I was the only drummer in our church, so I was drumming twice You're on Sundays. And, no way, that's yeah. sick. And, uh, and on Friday nights as well. So then um, just somehow, I don't know exactly even how, but then just started youth leading, really. Just jump, jumped into the team, I think, because I was already up the front drumming. So, um, And then I just loved it. It was fun. So with your parents... Um, did they come from Christian homes? Like, do you have some sort of like, you know, awesome Christian yeah, well, like lineage? No, my parents um, both kind of had their own journeys of faith, I think. Like, not really. My, my dad was more religious family. Um, so, went to church, but I wouldn't necessarily say they loved Jesus. Um, it was just kind of more of a traditional thing. And then he, he met Jesus at a young age. Um, and my mom just not a Christian family at all met Jesus at a young age and like just never stopped going to church she used to walk herself to church every Sunday since she was eight um so something like stuck in her way back then and she just never stopped going um and so and then they actually both met on the mission field which was pretty funny 
I think so the kind of the ministry stuff they were doing was was drama related so they would go around the world doing doing drama um, and so sometimes they would be in a country where the whole skit wouldn't have necessarily any like like any dialogue it was just all visual because I mean that anyone can watch that and engage with that so I think they said there was times like that where um, where it felt like a really big deal like some of these people had never had anything like that before um, and like people coming to meet Jesus after you perform some kind of a drama and then a message about Jesus like I think that's pretty cool because it was a rough mission field too like it was the whole belief that like God will provide everything so they like um, had basically nothing like absolutely nothing and so I was actually born while they were still on the mission field but then that's when they realized um, like this isn't really a place to raise a kid like it wasn't really working um, so they actually left pro because of my fault so um, but it was good so that's when we started going to this church in, out in Penrith and um, they never kind of stopped until recent years yeah have you ever been back to PNG or done anything with them to sort of see some of the stuff they've done or been in those villages or no not with that not with that ministry group yeah cool. um, so yeah but but I mean because of my parents living like that like I've been on so many mission trips I think from a really young age and I think that's been a huge part of um, my journey and something I'm so thankful for um, we were never a family that really stayed in um, just one area for too long like we were around our home church but um, when I was like 10, we went, moved to the States and we lived there for three years, um, kind of where my dad grew up. And then from there, we kind of came back and um, just living in different houses as well. So kind of a lot of exposure to some rougher parts of Sydney and then some nicer parts. And then, um, and then in the States as well, kind of similar. And I, I think my first mission, mission trip was when we were in the States, I was about 12 years old, I think, went to Mexico. Um, with my dad helped build a church there and then um and then i think my like next one was like when i was 15 in australia went to sri lanka then i did like um i did one in uh in aboriginal community in northern territory and like a little bit later than that so i don't know i felt like i've always just kind of been doing that kind of stuff but i think having that constant exposure to other cultures and other people like has been so great for me because I think so many people I know have lived in the same city, have lived with the same group of people, have gone to the same church their whole life. And um, I think it just, it, it can sometimes not be helpful if you're not intentional about it because you can have this small mindset like God has to work inside this framework. Whereas like I've had such a massive exposure to so many cultures and I think I've always, I like looking back, I'm just so thankful for that because it's just broadened my worldview like massively. Um, and I felt, felt like it's made me more flexible, like I'm, I'm willing to go wherever God calls me because I've, I've seen a lot and I've experienced a lot and I know that it can work in a lot of different ways instead of just like, okay, God, I'm happy to do what you want me to do, but as long as it works in this little box, um, whereas I don't think I'm like that. And my wife's funny, she's the same. She's had a very similar upbringing to me. Um, so we both just kind of are pretty open to whatever God is wanting in our lives, which uh, I'm thankful for and I want to be able to give that to my kids. Wow, I love that. So good. Yeah, I think that's even just even from how I know you, man. Like, I just feel like you're a very humble guy. And you've obviously learned humility from your parents. And just that servant attitude, that kind of put others before themselves has really come through. And it's been cool to hear just the different ways of, you know, your parents have modeled a lifestyle that's meant you actually just believe that God does provide, that he will show up, that 
how do we actually have faith to know that he is a good God, that he provides, you know, Jehovah provider, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's great. Wow, so cool. And uh, yeah, I guess for me, like one of the reasons I was just intrigued is because like I didn't grow up in a Christian family, got saved last year of high school, and like I don't have that Christian heritage and legacy. You know, the, the odd person comes out of the woodwork where they could have been a Christian and they probably had an affiliation, but it's always hard to know how committed versus how religious if most people passed away. But we got one eight one um uh, one auntie who's like Filipino that's my uncle married and she's like my uncle was the first person in our family to get saved and she's just like a loose cannon for Jesus so she's got I reckon she like genuinely prayed as in like as in she basically was the reason that I I came to Jesus and said my parents so um, yeah yeah that's that's it hey like because I have a lot of friends that grow up in Christian homes and they're not following Jesus now. Um, so it's definitely not the be all and end all, but I think, um, I think, I think what, yeah, like I think that just, um, consistency was probably a big part of that. Like for me to, um, I I guess maybe like what I've seen a lot of my other friends is when they were having doubts or when they just didn't really want to go to church, their parents wouldn't make them and they just maybe wouldn't go. And that's when they started kind of falling away. Whereas I think, as long as I was living under my mum and dad's roof, they didn't stop. They kept making me go, which I know for a lot of people, they don't like that idea. But I think for me, it was actually good because um, I, I had a good place to wrestle with a lot of that stuff um, instead of just out on my own and then, you know, just Google whatever I want and then find all sorts of weird answers. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that's a big part of it. I remember, man, we are at Jurassic Camp, maybe it was oh, 2018, I don't even know, could have been last year, I've got a dodgy ass memory, but we're hanging out on the couch, um, you know, chewing the fat after a long day of youth ministry, I don't know, I was definitely tired, I don't know about you, you probably had some energy left, but we were just chatting about life, and you were mentioning, I think it was that you were involved in YWAM, and you'd been here, here, and here, and I just love to hear a little bit about um, that sort of journey and that formational shaping for you, because I think the the time you went to Mongolia, there's just so much in that story. So I just love if you got any stories to share around Mongolia or even like what led you to YWAM. If it wasn't YWAM, what was it? Like that kind of journey um, would be great, bro. Yeah, I think um, well, my wife and I always have had a heart for missions, um, and we know that the mission field is just as much here as it is anywhere else. Um, but we kind of just wanted to explore that. Like, okay, God, if if um, if it is somewhere else, let's kind of trial this. So we. Um, so we decided like after we got married, we really wanted to do some kind of missional training together. Um, and so we looked at a few different options. Um, we looked at like Heidi Baker's school of harvest and we looked at a few different ones and for whatever reason, I'm not even sure exactly how we landed there, but we decided we were just going to go on this YWAM DTS, um, and kick off with that. And so we did, um, the DTS in Belize, which is on the Caribbean or Caribbean, however you pronounce that. Um, and it was beautiful man like it was paradise and so um we were like it's one of the biggest reefs in the world i think it's the longest reef in the world but it's not as big as great barrier reef but anyway so we're there for three months doing our lecture phase which was like the easiest bible college you'd ever do mate Um, struggling for jesus you know just oh it was not a struggle um, i'll tell you that enjoying a few too Um, many mocktails on the water diving that's it tough times bro yeah my, my wife got a scuba license i already had mine so we went scuba diving I learned how to sail, so we went out sailing like every other day. I was spearing lobster. We take him back for dinner. I'm not even kidding. This was like the dream. Right. Um, we Come lived on. in this little casita on the beach. Um, I basically just wore boardies and nothing else for three months. It was great. Um, <laughs> and, 
And so that was our mission, that was our lecture training time, and it was so funny because we had some some kids straight out of high school. I was probably twenty five. Um, but some of these kids are straight out of high school and so they're like oh man we have so much study to get done and we have so many assignments to do and i'm like bro we're sitting on a dock reading a book like and all we have to do is do an essay afterwards i'm like this is the dream mate it was so easy um anyway so that was not hard at all that was like it was awesome it was actually great because it was like our first year of marriage um we found we learned a lot about each other in that time there was a lot of that kind of stuff and, and just praying together and getting a heart for for ministry together was really really good um so so that was a great time that was a real blessing we obviously had enough free time because we got pregnant um with 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 lydia um nothing like a casita to uh yeah anyway yeah yeah um yep that's good man (laughs) so so that was fun and then so from there after you do your three months kind of training um then you do two months on mission and so our mission we got selected uh for mongolia um and so it was like on the other side of the world and it was so expensive man like it actually ended up we had it all budgeted out and that was a real step of faith for us because um we had it budgeted so we could come back we'd done all this stuff and then we'd come back and we'd have this much money left over so we could you know continue just living (laughs) in australia um but it all got blown out like the cost got way blown out um the us dollar had like uh or the aussie dollar had dropped heaps at that point so our money was like worth half of what it was before that and anyway it was crazy so we literally had to put everything we had in um and then trust god for the rest and so it was insane we didn't we really felt like god was challenging us not to ask anyone for money um which uh, i'm not saying everyone should do that but i was reading this book at the time by brother andrew and and he was challenged by god not to ask for money but just to know that your god owns everything and he will provide and so um so we didn't ask anything so i was freaking out because we put every dollar in it from our bank account first we felt like that was a real step of faith so we wanted to put our own money in first and then trust god for the rest so um so it was terrifying seeing zero dollars in our bank account and then that week i kid you not we had like maybe three three to five grand just come in out of nowhere um like my my aunt contacted from the states and was like hey like um just wanted to send you guys this money love what you're doing and just sent some money us dollars over to us and then my one of one of these guys who i um had loaned money to him ages ago and just kind of had forgotten about it or just wasn't really expecting he'd ever pay me back it's just like hey man just um just come into some money and i want to pay you this back and so i got that money back that week and like just different things i've never seen that much money coming in one week but it was just and we didn't ask for a penny of it and so god just made this way for us to go so we went to Mongolia for two months and that was a really rough time. It was actually um, not easy at all. Um, we mostly because we were like a team of 17 living in a house, like a two bedroom house. And so me and my wife are married and we had another girl in this tiny room with us for two months. Um, so it was just really strange. So, so um, yeah, so it was, it was pretty rough, mostly because of team dynamic and um, and just because there wasn't a lot of um transparency i guess about the financial stuff and all of that and so i think a lot of people were stressing out and not feeling like this was this was going well anyway the ministry the missional stuff was great like i actually loved being in mongolia had some awesome opportunities to to speak and just to love people and to see that their their culture at the moment is so open to the gospel um because they were in communism 
for a good many years. They only, communism ended in 1990, I think, so not that long ago really. Um, and they'd been in they'd been a communist nation for so long that they had forgotten who they were. They didn't even remember their old history or anything. And so they kind of got to this point where they're like, well, what are we now? And so um, it was awesome because then some missionaries kind of came in straight away, started preaching the gospel. And so a lot of Mongolia is super open to Jesus um, because they're just like, well, we need, we want some kind of culture here. And so, um, so it was cool. It was cool to go in and see that people are hungry um, and just, you know, it's so easy to talk about Jesus there. We're here. It's not. Um, so that was really fun. And so that, that part of it was really good. Um, it was tough too for us because we had kind of a scare with Hannah's pregnancy where it looked like we were maybe going to lose um, the baby. And um, so we were really praying through that time. And, um, and, and I mean, Lydia's born today and she's fully happy, healthy kid. So there was some real rough stuff during that time. Um, and, uh, but yeah, all in all, I would say there was so much learning of so many different things in that season. Um, it was, it was awesome. And it taught me a lot about, okay, if I want to lead, uh, a team, what does that look like? You know, if I wanted to do missional stuff long-term overseas, what does that look like? Like it actually made it really practical and, um, helped me think it through fully. Um, and all in all, when we kind of came back from this trip, we realized we, we felt quite strongly that God was calling us, um, to, to be in Australia for the time being. We didn't feel like overseas was was um was right for now anyway we don't know if maybe one day it will be but we really feel like that we wanted to set ourselves up financially so that way we could actually um be able to do ministry stuff and not have to be supported um necessarily by a church or by anything um so it was good a lot of learning in those couple of months yeah so good i'd say there's a few people on this um podcast that'll be looking to explore what does it mean for me to be missional locally, nationally or globally or they're like you bro they're like hey I'm just going to go overseas test the waters and see if God's calling me to Mongolia or to mission mm-hmm. overseas how did you and Hannah like practically like descend that how did you come up with that decision yeah it's a good question um, I think um, as much as there is steps of faith I think there's also just wisdom too and I think um we realized how a lot of the, the ministries that we saw that were doing really well were, um, were financially supported really well. Yeah. And they didn't have that, like a lot of our friends overseas have to spend like 80% of their time just contacting people back home, updating them, asking for more money just to do what they're doing. Um, and then we've seen other people over there who just do business as mission or they've set themselves up in the States or whatever and now can just come over here and and, and work on, you know, it doesn't cost that much to live in some of these countries and they were just thriving and they were loving it. Um, and they weren't stressed out about financial stuff and they were able to be more of a blessing because they weren't just pinching every penny, but they were like, you know, we've, we've set ourselves up. We've been really wise with our finances and now we can actually just be a blessing. Like I'm a big believer in that blessed to be a blessing. I think that's, that's a huge part of what we are. And so we just felt like all in all, we, we didn't feel like there was any necessarily like direct calling from God, like, okay, this is what I want for you now. So we thought, okay, well, if we're not hearing that, then let's go with wisdom. And, and we feel like the wisest thing for us to do would be to, yeah, set ourselves up so maybe one day we could go and do this really well, not just like scrape by. No, nah, that's, that's super helpful, man. I really appreciate that. My wife, Abby, and I um, I made the dumb decision of, she never been overseas before and we were like, oh, 20? Oh, I might even be 19. Anyways, I popped the question to her two years before like, her first mission trip. I've been overseas before. And, and like we're going to like 
um, Madagascar, like rural Africa. She had no idea. But similarly, we were just like really open to, hey, God, we're about to get married. Like, use us. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And we went there and we're like pretty quickly, hey, we don't speak the language. This this mission thing is pretty freaking hard. Like these mm-hmm. these local indigenous guys, they're, they're doing a killer job. How do we raise funds here to bless them over there and partner yeah. with them as local churches, as local Christians in the West? Because I genuinely believe we got to shout it out, the West needs Jesus. Um, and that's why I feel like there's so many missionaries get sent here from China, from Asia, because yep. we're not reaching our own people. Why should we go for reach theirs? Like, and I'm not saying that's the correct view, but yeah, it's been a real wrestle for us as well. Absolutely, man. I think yeah, I'm a big believer in short-term missions, but I think short-term missions tend to be more for the person going than they are for the people on the other side, um, which I think is great because, I mean, that, that really helped me and my heart and my worldview. Um, but I think long-term mission, like there are already a lot of people that are doing a fantastic job and if we could support them, um, that's huge. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think, I think the church in, in places like China and even in like Afghanistan and, and places like this where you wouldn't even know how many people are coming to Jesus, um, it's also hidden and underground. I think, it's, we, man, we could learn from those guys. I think in all in all, I think the church is going to be blessed because of them and we're actually going to learn from them rather than us teaching them. Like, I feel like it's going to be the other way around probably. Yeah, I agree, bro. I've definitely learned the most personally in places like God Zimbabwe with um, like with Embody and, and seeing the impact that Safe Water, had, Safe Water has had over there. So going back to some of the things you were talking about before, like when did you first see mission being modeled in your home or when did you first see mission being modeled in your world it might not have been your parents but it might have just been someone you remember from a young age that was a youth pastor or a leader someone significant you went this guy is living missionally and for you that might mean a whole bunch of different things but i'm just wondering like you know even just someone pursuing jesus wholeheartedly if that's a more helpful explanation but just kind of yeah Mm. i think um I think our church community itself at that time was just a small church community in Cambridge Park, um, which is out near Penrith. And it was in, it was in like one of the roughest parts of Western Sydney. Um, and the church was just kind of plopped right in the middle of this suburb. Um, and it, but man, we saw so many broken people coming in and out of those doors um, with all sorts of issues. And it was interesting because a lot of the people that... Um, kind of went to that church and um, were even just a big part of helping run that church and leading. Um, we're all from pretty wealthy areas and pretty wealthy families. And like they, yeah, it's just interesting. They easily could have gone somewhere where maybe it was a bit more comfortable, but they, they didn't. They were just there. And so we had this really interesting mix of people that like, um, like a few of those guys in the room owned like more than half of Penrith. And then the other people in there like had nothing that week. And so it was just like, or rubbing shoulders with all sorts of people so I think our church itself was so missional and me growing up there um, in that kind of environment was awesome because I just saw that you know church is just having all sorts of people come through the doors and we just love them like, you know, no matter what and seeing how some of the people that have you know maybe not that much stuff or, or material wealth are some of the best people you'd ever meet like um so I think that was a huge part of it. Our church itself was just always so open to anyone. We had all sorts of misfits there. Um, and it's funny, I always kind of, I remember when I was in my teenage years wishing like, why do we always have such weird people come here? Why can't we just have like cool people come to this church? Like, 
why are there so many weirdos? And I think um, I think that's because they felt safe. They felt comfortable. They felt like they had somewhere they could go. Um, and so I think that's actually a really good thing. And that's a really good reflection of the church's heart. Um, it was never a massive church, but it just kind of had this flow of people coming in and out. People come in that were broken, find healing, find Jesus, and kind of then flow out again. And, you know, it was kind of interesting, a really interesting church, kind of more of a healing center, if anything, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like a hospital. Christian, yeah. you know, a Christian hospital just to heal and restore and renew people. Like, what a what a blessing! That sounds like such a beautiful like thing to see to be exposed to people that were wealthy and could have just used or abused their wealth or been selfish to actually go about loving and blessing others that didn't have as much. Like, it just reminds me of Acts mm. that whole you know the concept around no one in our community was without want, and I just love that you know there was a lot of wealth and status or whatever you want to describe it in your community, mm-hmm. but people shared, people helped, and people got alongside those that were struggling. Like, such a good witness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Um, it's funny because I, I love it now, but I didn't like it at the time, always growing up in it. It was just a bit messy, right? It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. Um, we had, like, all sorts of... We had people that were, like, full demonic activity happening Sunday after Sunday, like, where they'd just be manifesting on the floor, and we'd be like, what the heck? And they'd send the kids out, and it was just nuts and I'm like then I come to some of these other churches that are so tame and I'm like oh this is this is kind of nice and comfortable <laughs> my church was never comfortable like I remember I didn't want to invite anyone because I was like I don't know what could happen on a Sunday so I don't want to invite anyone to come <laughs> wow gee whiz that was a, light, a lot of life and vitality crazy well yeah what, it was, what was it like being exposed to something like you know people being set free from um, oppression or something demonic or even just set free from, you know, um, whatever's going on in their world. Like, what was that like actually witnessing that as a young person? Um, I don't know if I, I thought too much of it at the time. Like, I think when I was really young, it scared me a bit. Like, I was like, whoa, this is freaky. Like, this person's talking in another voice. And, like, I could tell something's going on. Um, but I think it actually really normalized it for me. Like, um, in, in a good way where I realized, wow, like the spiritual world is actually a real thing. And so I think, I think it was good for me to have that exposure, to see that kind of stuff and see people get set free from years of demonic influence. And what, what did you learn through those youth ministry years, either being a kid or becoming a leader um, and leading in that space? Like, what are some of your gleanings and learnings? Because it sounds like there's so much that you've gleaned and learned from your church experience mm. in that sort of formation sense. But I guess for me, most people listening this podcast will probably be either a young person that's, you know, 13 to 18 or someone in their early, um, early kind of, what do you call it? Mm. Yeah, 20s type thing. So, yeah, what, what did you learn in that sort of stage and season of your life? I would say a big part of, of those years, are, um, I don't know, I think a lot of my relationship with Jesus was kind of religious in a sense, a little bit legalistic. But God was still, I don't know if I would say I was unsaved, but um, I think, it, I, I don't know if I was maybe in love with Jesus as much as I was just trying to do the right thing. Um, and so I think, uh, yeah, that was a really big, big journey for me kind of in those years. I love doing youth ministry. I'm a super competitive person, so I just love getting in the games and making up dumb games. And me and my friend used to make these d- dumb videos that we'd post every week. Um, or not post, we didn't really have social media. We'd show them every week at, um, on a Friday night. And so um, loved doing that kind of stuff and was always really involved in that way. Um, and and I, I, that was actually when I first started preaching. Um, 
and I had a lot of like stuff going on in my world like I was kind of addicted to pornography and and all sorts of things and so I remember having this weird thing of like how am I going to lead these young people when I feel like man I'm I'm the biggest hypocrite but um but I actually saw that as I started doing that as I started even preaching and things like that or, or sharing my testimony or sharing a story even though I was still so messed up um, God was using it and people met Jesus and people you know um, and I, I think that always kept me real humble because <laughs> I was like man this is I know that I'm a mess and so yet good. God is using this thing and so um, and so I think it wasn't until I kind of got around the age of 18 that I reckon I got pretty serious about God I realized that I was living on the fence um, kind of trying to be a part of the world and be a part of the church and I was just pretty miserable and so um, I realized that I just I wanted to go all in for Jesus so I, I kind of left a lot of my friends friend groups not necessarily like I sent them all a message and be like hey I'm leaving you bye but just like I just stopped going to the things they were going to and I stopped doing the things they were doing and just naturally we just lost our friendship and so um, I started trying to invest more in friendships that were good for me hang around people that were actually good for me I got rid of a lot of secular music I stopped watching a lot of stuff I shouldn't be watching and I just kind of just fell in love with Jesus I think I reckon it was around the age of 18 when I got serious about my walk with him and that's when I actually found that I loved following Jesus whereas before when it was all about you know I'm just trying to do the right thing and be good and there was a lot of guilt and shame like this is what I should do it changed to like wow like God is so good and I just I, I want to do this like I love him and this is so much better than life without him so um, so there was a lot of just kind of learning and a big I feel like there was a lot of um, a wrestle I guess in my head and in my heart during those teenage years um, where I, I reckon it was a wrestle towards God not, a, not away from him like what advice do you have for a young person then that's hearing you share and going I can relate to Jakin as a teenager I can relate to the older brother in the prodigal story that Someone that was like saying the right thing, doing the right things, maybe a bit more religious, but knew in their heart of hearts they didn't, they weren't all in for Jesus. They didn't love Jesus. Mm. Um, that's a great question. I think, uh, I reckon for me, I guess it just came down to that point. There's got to be a point where you decide that you're just going to be 100% in. There's like a point where you actually have to cross a line where you can't go back. Um, I think. I was always maybe even holding on to like 10% of this other stuff that I just really didn't want to let go of, which whether it was my friend group and I just felt like I couldn't, under, I couldn't imagine in my head of being able to actually just say no to them or let go of that or like being laughed at or any of that. Like, so I was still holding on to something there. There was that wrestle of like um, watching these movies and listening to this music that I really liked where I felt like God was telling me to give it up. And, and I was like, I don't want to give that up. So there's like these little things that I kept holding on to. And I felt like um, they just got, there has to be this point where you're just like, okay, I'm just done with everything else. All I want is Jesus. And I'm just going 100% in. It's like you're crossing a bridge that you can't go back on. And I think um, you got to get to that point. Otherwise, it's just always going to be this. I feel like for me, it was always just a sense of duty instead of like I actually loved God and so I think that really helped me fall in love with Jesus was when I got to that point where I'm like okay God if it's just you and me from here on out I'm just going to pursue you no matter what and it was scary because I didn't know if he was going to come through I didn't know if it was going to work I didn't know if I was signing myself up for something that I, I shouldn't or I don't know but like 
there has to be that step of faith and that risk of like, okay, this is it. This is it. I'm in and I'm not going back and I'm going to make a way that I can't go back. Like, um, and that's when it came real for me. Um, I just would love to know, like, what are you personally passionate about? Like, what wakes you up in the morning? Um, sort of what grinds your gears in that sense? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is uh, I've realized in recent years that um, I really love pulling, um, I guess, pulling the gold out of people. I see a lot of potential in people that are around me and I feel like a lot of people don't actually see that in themselves. They don't realize how much how much capacity they have. And so like, I, I, I think I just, I always am seeing that in other people around me. And so I think whether that's youth, whether that's church, whether that's whatever it is, I think um, I'm just wanting to help show people, man, like you, you have so much capability in, in, in through Jesus and through what God wants to do in your life, like to stop limiting him and what he's, he's able to do. Um, that's definitely something that gets me fired up. And I, and I looking back over my messages of, re, of recent or last years, realizing how much that's probably a common thread throughout all of that. And so um, I reckon that's definitely something that's close to my heart. Hey, just waking people up to their potential. What, what unearthed or unlocked that in you? Do you know why you're so passionate about that? Like, was there someone you saw doing that or was there a whole bunch of you went, hmm. these guys just have so much potential, but nothing, no one's doing anything? Like... Um, yeah, I think that, I think, uh, I would say maybe in, in people that have done that in me, people that have spoken life, into me people that have um said like just really believed in me when i didn't believe in myself i think i'm my own worst enemy i'm way meaner to myself than anyone else ever has been um and so i think for people to speak life into me has always meant so much and so i think um i'm doing things now that i never dreamed i would do and so i i realize that man like if i've got this and i know that there's actually more in me that i'm stepping into yet and i feel feel like you know everyone's got that capacity and more. And so I think, you know, as we read through scripture, you just see it from cover to cover. The, the people that God uses are a mess. And like, I'm, a, I'm better than a lot of these people in the Bible and God used them. And so I'm like, man, like there's, there's not, like the, the simple thing is just obedience and a love for Jesus and he'll use you. Like, um, so I'm like, if I can wake someone up to that, that's going to just set them on a course. And so I think, um, I guess because that's happened to me and because that's what I see in the Bible, man, that's just, that's just something that's on my heart. Yeah. I guess too, I, I, I wished when I was a teenager, I, I had stepped up earlier. I think, um, I think I always thought, oh, I'm still just a teenager. I can't do anything. Um, wow. I think, man, if young people knew how much potential they have now and how much opportunity they have now in their wow. school right. and with their friends, and I wish I could go back in time and do that again. So good. Um, so I love seeing young people who are already five, ten steps ahead of where I was when I was their age. That's like so exciting to me because I'm like, man, God, God's already got a hold of this person, and you're already going to change the world before you're 18. It's great. Love that. Come on, we want to see young people changing the world before they're 18. So good, man. How good would it be to see a generation rise up that like you know just took everyone, including their parents and their grandparents, by surprise? Like I'd be so stoked to see, you know, like newspapers like the media just tell good news stories about young people doing great things in their world and their communities like that'll be absolutely i think too like no one expects young people to do that um and i think so often we just rise to what's expected of us i think um that you know the world expects that teenagers are adolescent they expect that they stay home they play video games they bludge off their parents 
They, whatever it is, they get up to mischief. You know, when you walk past a group of young people in the shops, you expect that they're going to do something stupid. Um, there's a, they have a bad rap sheet. And I think, you know, what if we actually expected young people to, to be more? What if we expected them to um, be some of the kindest people on the planet or the most generous people on the planet or whatever? Like, and I, and I want to expect that of our young people. And, and then, and change that rap sheet that we could actually be like, wow, like the young people in, you know, in the hills, which is my group or the young people wherever here, like they're so different to what other people expect. And, and I think that would be awesome. So good. Um, Love that. It's a great vision. So you're a youth pastor. What does that look like in the everyday? How do you, how do you make that happen? How do you actually, you know, get the elderly in your community or get the people that are like these youth, they got nothing that. How do you get the naysayers to stop being naysayers in that sense? What are you guys doing practically as a community? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think a big part of it is our church on the whole um, is is we try and focus more on um, young people. I know that sounds bad, but I feel like if you're aiming for um, 15 to 18-year-olds, you tend to actually hit everyone. Whereas if you're aiming for the 35-year-olds, you're going to miss a lot of other people. Um, and so we actually, as a, as a church-wide community, have been focusing, have been refocusing. I wouldn't say we're there fully yet, but we've been working on how does our entire church actually revolve around that kind of young, young adult, young person age, um, and and I think that's a big part of it. That to realize that we're all kind of actually in youth ministry, um, and we have some of the best, you know, older people in the planet in our church who are so young at heart already, and and love seeing young people step up and. It's awesome. Like to get people like that around these young guys is so good. I think another thing that we do is um, we have been working on being involved in our communities. So we um, have done this homeless outreach where we got all the kids to save money and then their their own money. They raised over like, um, I can't remember how much it was. It was like almost a grand, I think, of their own money. And we then went out to Kmart, filled up these backpacks with stuff. And then we just went out and just handed them to people in Sydney that needed it and just sat down and just had conversations with them for the afternoon. And, and that was good. And we've done stuff like um, we just did a random acts of kindness day around here and we, we counted up and we realized we blessed over like 350 people in like an hour or something. Wait, what? Um, yeah, three, it's crazy three, what you can do. That's crazy. Yes, yeah, so we just went out and just like did random things. So like we just gave people... Um, like we stuck notes on people's cars, like, Hey, just an encouragement. We like, um, some of the kids, we got a bunch of balloons and just handed them out to kids. We did, we did so many different things. Um, just random things. We helped people with their lawns. We helped people like these guys went into this nursing home and then they ended up moving a bunch of furniture for these people who couldn't move it. And like, we did so much random stuff in an afternoon. Um, and then we came back and had pizza and shared all these stories. It was such a good, good time. And I was like, man, if we can impact that many people in one hour, just with being random acts of kindness, like we didn't say, Hey, we're doing this because we're from the church and we love Jesus and you should give your life to Jesus. Yeah, we just loved people and let God work with it. So, so it's good. like, um, I think our young people love doing that stuff. This, this generation loves doing things that are bigger than themselves. And that's awesome because I know I sure didn't when I was a young person. I was like, who cares about anyone else? This is about me. But, um, but I think our young people want to make a difference. And so we're trying to give them opportunity to do that because they have a heart for it. Wow. Mate, honestly, I feel like we could talk for like another half an hour just off what that random acts of kindness day was about. <laughs> well, like practically, like that's so cool to see. What does it mean? To, you know, I, I genuinely believe we are more blessed when we are a blessing. Like, yeah. And it's, oh man, I think, 
oh man, I just really wish I was in that room right now. I'm getting some FOMO. I'm just like, I would <laughs> love to just be eating pizza, you know, smashing a solo and just hearing young people go like smiling, like beaming, just sharing stories about like the little things that they did to just bless people and how they just responded so kindly. Like that's cool. So, so That's so the cool. thing, hey, like it was amazing. We talked about that, how much happier they felt after that hour than they did playing video games that week, then whatever, watching Netflix, then anything. They were like, yeah, this is way more fun than any of that. That's so smart. Love that. Yeah, it's interesting mm. that if you frame up something and then you do something, it's actually in the debriefing and sharing space that you often learn the most. So you actually realize like, for example, that, hey, actually, yeah, my video gaming isn't bringing me much joy. I'm addicted and it feels good, <laughs> but I actually feel crap afterwards. But I did this thing and I'm like stoked on life right now. Was that a particular homeless outreach? Was that something you guys did and then you went to the city? Like, what did that look like? What was that for? Yeah, so that wasn't with an organization. Um, We thought about doing that going forward maybe, but this time it was just because it was actually one young person that was their idea, so we just rolled with it. Love that, Um, love that. But yeah, like, because they had been in the city and just seen how many people just sitting on the sidewalk. So so we did that. So we had to have permission slips, obviously, but we just went on a Sunday after church, um, took the train out, and all these backpacks that were full of stuff that um, we kind of had a list of what kids should buy to fill up these backpacks, not just random stuff, but some actual helpful items. Um, <laughs> and cool. So we took those out with us. I think we ended up taking like 12 backpacks or something. They were probably about 50 bucks each worth of stuff. So you can do the math on that. I don't know how much money that is. So good. Um, so but good. that's how much they raised. 600. So good, bro. There you go. 600. So we took those out. Um, and yeah and i think a big part of it was we so we had leaders kind of go with maybe like three kids and then we just went around and just whoever we kind of met we would just talk with them not everyone wanted a backpack and but that was part of it we just kind of really encouraged people okay even if they don't want anything like let's just spend some time with these people that's something sometimes the biggest thing you can give someone is just give them time and listen to their story um and so so we did that so we just made sure that it was more about the person rather than what we could give them or um, rather than just ticking this off our list, um, we wanted to make sure that we we're actually making time for, for the person. And so we had a lot of conversations with people and then we got rid of all of the bags in one afternoon. So um, yeah, it was really cool. Kids loved it. What learnings came out of that for the young people when you say they loved it? Like, were there any highlights mm. for them? Did they need like... Yeah, I think some of them were surprised at how um, happy some of these people were, even though they had nothing. Um, some of them were really encouraged there was this one lady that was just so blessed she was like crying and um, the girls wrote her a, a letter like they we wrote some letters ahead of time and just um, and just to just with like you know this is what God says and this is we love you and we think you're awesome so we kind of handed those out with the bags and she was just weeping as she read that and I remember those girls are all crying with this lady on the side of the road while all these random people just walking past but um I think it was just a really um, moving moment where they realized, man, like so often we walk past these people and just pretend that they're invisible or that we don't see them because it's more, it's easy for us. But to realize, man, all these people have stories and these people are real people <laughs> who are actually lovely. And so... Um, That's epic. Mate, massive shout out to Restore Youth if you're listening in. So good seeing you guys get amongst it, do things practically and just the generous spirit, like just giving things away, just blessing people with random acts of kindness and even just the finances that have been raised like time and time again. I know I feel like you guys do almost one of these initiatives like every term. So that's at least, you know, four a year, which is real, which is brilliant. And we've been really blessed at Embody having you guys participate, 
and raise um, funds with Safe Board September and hearing some of those young people just unpack and debrief that and learn heaps around mm. how they can bless people overseas. I loved that, um, like, it was like, I felt like it was like a week. It was like the first week of September one year. It was like, you guys had raised like, I mean, it was like two years ago, you raised like nearly like $3,000 within 10 seconds and there was like 40 people involved. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck are they doing out there? I'm like, these guys are like, it's unreal. So good to see. Yeah, it's like probably two of our kids who have like rich parents. It was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was two donations. We won't go into that. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, man, and I love, I really love that story because like, and I just want to encourage you, your heart, man. And for anyone even just listening out to this, like one young person came up with an idea and Jake and you didn't shut it down. You know, one young person, you know, saw something and was bothered by it and went, can we make a difference or could we do something about it? And you just, empowered that and ran with it and then got your whole youth group involved and just to hear about that is a real blessing for me to see young people inspired and challenged but empowered to have a go and come up with ideas so good on you bro yeah well i think that's i think that's um just part of my story like i think that's what happened to me i was given opportunity before i was ready um i was you know i, I was never shut shut down really in things that i wanted to do in my church um and so i think I really appreciated that that opportunity. So I always want to give that away as well. And I realized, I mean, I can't keep up with these kids. Like they, they have so many more ideas than I've got and they, they have such a, even bigger hearts than I've got. And so I just want to keep giving them opportunity to do what they want to do. Like um, I definitely don't have all the ideas, um, not at all. So yeah, I'm just thankful to be a part of it. Thankful for these young people. If you knew you were chatting right now to a young person um, who's got a creative idea or a youth leader or a youth pastor, like what advice would you give them around actually helping people engage missionally in their local community? Yeah, I think um, bring that idea to your church. I don't. Th- I think don't try and just do something your, yourself. I think sometimes we can create these kind of um, splits because we try and, you know, I've got this idea, but and I want to make it my idea and I want to run with it. But I think just that humility of bringing it to whoever's your leader and saying, hey, this is my idea, what do you think? Um, I think if they're a good leader, they're going to listen and be like, hey, like, this is a great idea, let's run with it. I don't, I don't know personally many youth pastors who wouldn't hear a great idea like that from a young person and be like, yeah, great idea, no, we're not doing it. Like, I, don't, I think everyone that I know would be like, yeah, that's brilliant. I think you just have to have the courage to speak up and say, hey, like, this is something that's on my heart and I would love to do it. What do you think if it looked like this? Is this something that we could do together? Um, and I think that's really important um, to do it with, with each other, with the community, um, not to kind of split off from that. Good man. No, dude, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Hey, like, real, been super fun. I just love just growing out with you, chewing the fat, you know, just hanging out. So good. Yeah, it's good, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. No worries. Um, just as we finish up, is there any sort of last thoughts or advice? Um, and also, how can we connect with you? How do we, you know, follow you on socials? Um, I, I really believe that Restore Church and particularly their youth are doing a killer job online, engaging people in light of COVID-19. So I want to all hats off to you. But how do we sort of find out about who you are and what you guys do? Yeah, yeah. No, um, definitely check out Restore Youth or Restore Church Hills um, on Instagram or whatever. I think Instagram is probably our biggest, I don't know, that's where we probably push the most content. Um, and for myself personally, probably just Instagram again. Hey, like that's what everyone's on. So you'll probably find me there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. A closing thought, I would just um, just really encourage any young person listening to this or older person, um, man, like to not be afraid of 
of exposing yourself to more than I guess what you're currently exposed to like to I think that's one of the biggest things that's helped me in my journey and in my in my world is to I've had so many exposures to so many different cultures in Australia and outside of Australia um, and so I think if you can um, not be afraid to do that but to maybe step outside your comfort zone if you have to maybe you have to sign up for um, some kind of a soccer team or something in a part of the you know Western Sydney that you would be terrified to go to normally or I don't know but just like do something to get outside of your world um, man that's going to help you so much long term in yourself like not only is it going to be a blessing to those you're around but God's going to teach you so much about yourself and he's just going to blow your mind with how big he is and how much he can actually do through you Thanks heaps to Jacob for joining us on Mission Unplugged. If you want to see more of what Jacob and Restore Church are doing, find their website at restorechurch.com.au. And you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Restore Church Hills. Thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged, a podcast by Embody. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review us so more people can find us. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Join in the conversation right now on our Discord server at embody.org.au slash discord. Our next episode will be a bonus episode, which is a recording of a conversation we hosted with leaders from local churches, exploring how to do discipleship in online spaces when we can't meet together physically. That bonus episode will be out in two weeks' time on July 1st. Embody is a national community of young people passionate about mission locally, nationally and globally. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at EmbodyAU and visit our website at embody.org.au. All the links are in the show notes. Embody is part of the Global Mission Partners family. Music in the show is by Josh Woodward. We'll catch you next time. And thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged.